Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James P. Friel. I am super excited to have you all here with us today. I am equally excited to uh, welcome my co-host to the show, Mr. Dean Holland, hailing from the rainy United Kingdom. How are you today? (laughs) The day is always a great day when I'm with you, my friend. How much do the producers pay you to say that? <laughs> the producers, it was you. You said, if I say that every time, you'll send me a dollar. Okay. Well, with the exchange rate, I don't even think that buys you uh, a whole lot in the UK. But thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying it nonetheless. I didn't realize your loyalty could be bought so cheap. <laughs> for you, anything. Thank you. So, uh, so Dean I uh, and our guests, I am super excited to be joined today uh, by, uh, by a really influential, amazing person, Bob Berg, who is co-author of The Go-Giver and The Go-Giver Influencer. Bob, welcome to the show. Super, super excited to have you with us today. Yes. James and Dean, two of my all-time favorite people who I've never even met. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what was it a dollar I paid you to say that, Bob? The same rate as Dean? Or I don't. I can't remember at this point. My accounting's gotten a little bit messy. No, I just love those across the pond type of uh, friendships and mateships, and I just think it's really cool. And uh, you guys do such a great job and have so much fun. How can how can someone not love you two? <laughs> I don't I've know. It's a- that for a long time. I keep saying that to my fiance. How can you not love me? How? Yeah, you know, it's just, some things just are unexplainable. <laughs> well, let me just say, flattery will get you everywhere on this show. I'm depending on it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So, uh, so Bob, there's uh, there's so much that I want to uh, unpack uh, in this in this conversation with you today. For a long, long time persuasion and influence and negotiation and like all of those things in that neighborhood have been such a fascination of mine because it seems like the ability to just to get things done and get things done where, you know, everyone is sort of on the same page, moving in the same direction, come down to like your ability to package those ideas, influence that influence others and get them, uh, you know, kind of, thinking along the same lines. And you've, you've not only written one, but a series of books on this topic. And it's, I'm just, I'm really excited to uh, sort of get into this with you. So I, I'm sure you're going to do some Jedi mind tricks on us while we're having this conversation today. So Dean, I hope you have your tinfoil helmet that I sent you um, just in case I know Bob's for his a game, but um, Bob, I guess like, let's start with something super fundamental what is influence? Like everybody throws that word around a lot, but you know, you're really a master on this topic. Like what is it actually? Well, I, I think there are, are 
two ways of looking at, at influence. On a very, very basic level, influence is simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, uh, usually within a specific goal. That's the, the definition. I don't think it's the, the essence of influence, though. Uh, the essence of influence is pull, pull as opposed to push, as in the old you know, leadership question, how far can you push a rope? And the answer, of course, is not very far, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't don't push. You never hear someone say, wow, that Diane or that Tom, he is so influential. He has a lot of push with people. <laughs> no, he has a lot of pull with people because that's that's what it is. Now, how do we do this pull? Well, we don't do it through pushing our ideas on people, pushing ourselves on people or being pushed. E, that typically has the opposite effect. We do this through our interest in bringing value to that other person. In other words, the great influencer is going to ask themselves questions first to check their own motives and make sure they're headed in the right direction. So they may ask themselves, uh, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals, right? With their wants, their needs, their desires. How does what I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? And when asking ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate some other human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process, now we've come a lot closer to that commitment to our ideas as opposed to depending on some type of compliance let me ask you another extremely serious question. Do you think Dean's British accent improves his influence? He he seems to uh, think that it does. Well, and, in the States, it does. In the States, it does. Because we tend to think that anyone with a British accent knows something that we don't. <laughs> and you'd be absolutely correct. And if you play your cards right, I might reveal some of these secrets today. <laughs> <laughs> now here's the so here's the interesting thing that that we see and I I don't know if this is going on over there in the UK Dean but here in the states we're we're going through a, a sort of a a division within our own country in which people especially politically but in other areas but really politics you kind of see this a lot where it's almost if you don't agree with me not only are you wrong but you are an evil human being. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. You you may have heard we're going through this whole Brexit uh, saga, so that that seems to have divided a okay. nation in some way. So, so we'll have these these um, these volleys, if you will, on let's say on Facebook, okay, where someone said, makes a statement, a political statement, uh, they share their idea about something, and someone will comment. You and people like you are the scum of the earth. You are the worst people. You don't care about others. You're trying to ruin this country, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now, if you ever notice, James, you may have noticed this, nobody ever responds to that insult by saying, thank you so much for pointing out the error of my ways. I mean, I hadn't thought about it like that before. And now that you say it like that, I totally renounce all my beliefs and I'm on your side. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's totally shocking that people don't have that reaction to that kind of behavior. <laughs> so while people are insulting and blaming and accusing, they're not influencing. They're not moving people to any kind of different thought. Right. And that's the issue. 
So I think I think for a lot of people, they uh, they take this adversarial approach, like you're talking about when trying to create an outcome or get a result. Like, right? Why Why do you think that seems to be the natural tendency and not the more practical one, which actually gets the result? Like, wh- why is it that way? Well, because I I don't think people are giving it that much thought. I I don't think that they're really at this point caring so much about persuading. I think it's more as though people have joined their own teams, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're, if I'm on, on team A and you're on team B, well, the people representing team A can basically do anything and it's okay as long as it's, it's, you know, my person on my team doing it. But if the other person on the other team, it would be totally wrong. So, so, so people aren't really considering that if you want, if, that if we want any change, let's say in this country politically or business wise or in any other, uh, in any other way, politics isn't the only thing, but it's, it's the one that's at the forefront, of course. Um, if we want change, we've got to first bring people into our world. Okay. And you may have heard me say before, or in any of my books, you'll, you'll see the basic mantra, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to. And I would add, and allow themselves to be led or influenced by those people they know, like, and trust. This means we first have to bring this person into our world and have them trust us. And the only way we can do that is by entering their world, not accusing them of bad intent but instead looking to see why they think how they think and empathizing with them and finding areas of agreement. Because, you know, I'll tell you, and again, I'll just say uh, here in the USA and I'm sure over in the UK, most people, and I'm not talking about the outliers who have, who do have maybe negative intent, but most people, it doesn't matter if they're far to the left, far to the right in them, whatever. Most people want to live in a place where people are able to live good lives. People are able to be happy and free and live their lives according to how they want to live. You know, most people want the same thing. What they have are two totally different ways of believing that that's going to happen. And so we've got to first be able to relate to these people in, in order to see what we both want and from in understanding why they feel their way is the best. And at that point, now we have a place to go. Do you think that do you think that a lot of people feel like if they do that they might find out that they like they might believe that they're wrong or that it feels like too much work to do that or like it seems like the accusing pushy way is almost like the uh the I don't know the the lazy way Yeah well it's the easy way out it it means you don't have to think This is where we we hear a lot about the term confirmation bias And confirmation bias means exactly how it sounds, that if you come across information that confirms what you already believe, your already held biases, you believe it, you accept it. If it doesn't, then you ignore it. That's the the lazy way to do something. This is why we say in in, in secret number five, and I say secret with air quotes because they're really not secrets, but secrets number five, secret number five of the go-giver influencer is let go of having to be right. 
Now, that doesn't mean you don't care about being right. It doesn't mean you're not going to be prepared and do your best to be right. It means you're going to let go of the emotional attachment of having to be right. Now, this sounds at first like it would make you less influential. It actually makes you more influential. Why? Well, two reasons. One, because when you can let go of having to be right, you're able to go into learner's mode. Okay, so you're able to look at things in such a way of saying, well, let's see, it does this person have a point? Is there something there that I need to know? And so, and the other person's not doing that. You are also when you go in with that learner's mindset, the other person can sense this. They can feel this and they know that they're they're discussing this with so even debating this respectfully with someone who isn't looking to just overwhelm them and defeat them and so forth, but is looking for truth. Can I present, can I present a way of answering that, that rude person on Facebook? I I, yeah, I, I would like you to do that, but I'll give you a way for us to do this. So Dean thinks that he speaks proper English and I believe he thinks he's right about that. So how do we, how do we, <laughs> how do we help him or that person on Facebook? Okay. So, well, I'm going to have to first say, Dean, you do speak proper English. You know, I was over there speaking in the UK about six months ago. I realized I actually don't understand English. (laughs) I realize that every time I come to the US, you guys really don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) You've opened up a can of worms, Bob, or maybe I have. (laughs) But, uh, but uh, yeah, so let's so again, let's go back to that person who who made that rude comment. You know, people like you are the scum of the earth. You don't care about you, blah, 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 whatever. OK, so what if we uh, answered like this? And let's say the person's name is Dave, who who wrote that horrible thing. And we say, uh, Dave, I've got to say I'm impressed by your passion for this topic. Like you, I want to live in a country where people are able to blah, 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 blah. Now you go to what you both actually want. I think our biggest difference is in the best way to go about having that happen. Now, let's let's look at this for a second, because someone might say, well, Dave isn't going to care. Dave's too far gone. He's, you know, his mind's made up. Don't confuse him with the facts. He's not interested in a a, a discussion. Mm -hmm. He may not be. But remember, and he may be, by the way, because I've seen it happen. But But even if he's not, remember, in any of these discussions on the Internet or even at family gatherings or at a social event or what have you, there are typically more people listening than are involved in the conversation. Hmm. And while you've got, sure, certain people who are so far to the left that they're not going to change or so far to the right, they're not going to change. Most people are either in the middle or a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. They can be persuaded. What they're looking for are two things. They're looking to see who has the most cogent argument. That's the logic part. But more important, emotionally, they're looking to see who they like better. They're looking to see who is presenting themselves in such a way that they are more attractive to that person. Which is the person that I could ask a question of and they're not going to jump down my throat because I don't totally agree with them. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. these are the people who absolutely can be influenced and persuaded. I think that's amazing. Just, uh, you know, having that open mind and being able to, you know, sort of like steer the conversation from a non-emotional sort of perspective. Um, Can we can we take one step back here, Bob? How how did you get? So in like, how did you become passionate about this topic? Was it something 
you know, how you grew up early on in your life or your career? Like why, why did things lead in this direction for you? As far as, as influence and so forth? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it really, with me, it comes down to people skills. And I happen to grow up as, as you know, the son of two really great parents, great mom and dad. Um, my dad and, and myself are more alike in terms of that when he was in business, he was sort of the, the pub, more the public figure, which I kind of am, you know, as an author and so forth. I'm out there in the public. So I got to see my dad deal with people all the time. And I have never met a person. And I, and I got to tell you, I've read all the books on, on people skills and, every, and, and, and probably hundreds of them. And I've learned from all of them. And I mean, I've, these books are great. They've been such a huge help to me. But I've got to say that, that and, and this is sort of like that title, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Everything I learned about people skill or know about people skills, basically, I learned from watching my dad. Wow, and, and yeah, and, and totally with a, he was always so genuine about it. I, you know, I have a saying that the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. Now, dad never said that to me, but I always, that's what I always saw. And regardless of where we were, who we spoke to, where we went, he always was so interested in the other person. He always had a genuine desire to make people feel truly, authentically good about themselves and bring out their best. To, and he was loved wherever he went. I got to watch this all the time. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not as natural at it as my dad. I think he just had that gift, okay? With me, I wasn't as natural, and I think for a while I kind of went off the path a little bit. But once I really saw that life works a lot better when you're able to to work with others and deal with others in a way that everyone comes away a winner and and you do your best to help people feel good about themselves and the situation life gets better. Yeah, totally. I think I think the first time like I was really exposed to this was one a uh, long time ago when I read uh, Stephen Covey's book 7 Habits of Highly Effective People and he uh, said yeah. seek seek win win and I was like what what does this mean? Like cuz up until that point I always thought you know, negotiation or sales or any of that stuff was, was win lose. And you were trying to like, you know, outmaneuver or, or something like that with the other person. And I, I think I fell in love with the idea that everybody can, you know, move, uh, move towards what, what is positive towards what they want. And, um, and I, I just see that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so you, you guys have, uh, you know, what you said, a number of secrets, um, to helping to, you know, master influence and, you know, persuasion and in a very positive way. Can you can you go through those those secrets with us? Because I think that would be really valuable for uh, for us and for our listeners to hear that from you directly. Sure. Well, the first one is to master your emotions. Uh, this is where it all begins, because it's only when we can control our own emotions that we're even in a in a position to be able to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a, a win for everyone involved. The challenge is we're human beings and we're emotional by nature. Right. And so so we might know that that it's the right way to be. And yet someone says or does something that pushes our emotional hot buttons. And we cause ourselves to become, uh, you know, frustrated or irritated or angry or whatever. And we say or do something counterproductive now. But again, you know, we're human beings. We're emotional creatures. We, we make decisions emotionally and we we back up those decisions with logic. Right. We rationalize, which if you break up the word in two, it simply means we tell ourselves rational lies. And we do this all the time. 
so what we need to do is is not forego our emotions or deny our emotions. It's totally not necessary. Emotions are a great part of life. They they bring us joy. They make life worthwhile. No, we just need to make sure we're in control of our emotions as opposed to they being in control of, of us. Or as one of my great friends, a mentor of mine, Don DiScumaci, puts it, uh, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. Okay. <laughs> you, yeah, you're at the wheel. Your emotions are in the passenger side, uh, seatbelts fastened, safely, safely tucked in. So, uh, so Dean, so I, I don't know about you, but I know sometimes uh, that could be easier said than done. Right. Well, you're quite an emotional guy anyway, aren't you? Well, actually, people have told me quite the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I have one feeling. Um, but like, Bob, how, do you have like any strategies? Like for me, like, I, I meditate. I'm, a, you know, I do that on a regular basis. It's it's great for for my headspace and keeping those emotions in check. Like, mm-hmm. are there are there certain things that you've seen people do who are better at mastering their emotions than than others? Nope. Sorry, you're on your own. Can't help you there. Okay. No, uh, actually, there there just happens to be. It's amazing that there there happens to be a way we can do this. And this is something I needed to do about 25, 30 years ago because I had an issue with that, had a real issue with my emotions getting the best of me, becoming angry and and, and so forth. And uh, here's what I learned. And for anyone who has this issue, I'm telling you, if you will do this, it will make a significant change in your life. First, look, take it a, a, a time. Think of a think of a, an instance where maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, maybe it's with friends and social circles, what have you, that someone says or does things that, again, the term I use, that it, it pushes your emotional hot buttons, okay? And imagine this happening, because it will. It probably will. And imagine that you react in the negative way you usually react and the feeling that that brings you. And it, it doesn't feel good. It feels rather yucky, in fact. Okay. And let yourself feel this. Now, what I want you to do is the opposite. I want you to imagine this same situation. Only now, I want you to imagine yourself handling it beautifully. Uh, you have a real sense of calm and you listen to the person without interrupting them. And you just, you, you, Say the exact right words that smooth. Don't worry about the words yet. This is just right now. We're just getting the feeling this, that smooths the situation. And both both of you just come away feeling great. OK, and I want you to feel how that feels. And it feels really, really good. Now, what I want you to do is practice it. Practice it again and again. This is much like when an astronaut goes up into space. Uh, before he or she does, they will do hundreds of simulations. Why? So that when they do get up into space, if heaven forbid something happens with the equipment or something else, they've been there. They've done that. They are absolutely, totally used to it, and they can just go right to doing what they need to do. Now, you might say, well, it's not, you know, being in space, having it happen isn't the same thing as, well, it's close enough. The emotional, the uh, the subconscious cannot differentiate between what is true and what has been suggested to it over and over again. So while you don't have to practice this hundreds of times, practice it a bunch. Practice it whenever you think about it. Practice it, practice it, practice it. Now, the next time something happens, whether, again, it's this person or something else or something similar, okay, again, you just say to yourself, you know, you've seen it happen. This is now it's old hat to you. 
It, there's no surprise. Surprise is what really does it to us. There's no surprise at all. And handle it beautifully, just like you practiced. And afterwards, I want you to really take pleasure in how well you did. Now, there's two things. One is know that if you did it right this time, you can do it right every time. But number two, realize that you won't do it right every time because you're a human being. We all are. And we're all going to mess up from time to time. But by and large, but you'll get plenty of chances to practice. And I'm going to tell you that within a very, very short period of time, your life will begin to transform. And you're going to become known as that person who just you know, cannot be ruffled as that person who just handles every situation so well. And your influence, see, when you can control your own emotions and you can help others work effectively within theirs, now your influence is ready to go sky high. Man, I love that. I love, and I love that this, the simplicity of what you can do for that, but that it also comes down to just about the same thing. Almost anything comes down to about being good at something just requires a little bit of deliberate practice. And I think that's, I think that's really cool because I, you know, I, you know, you see so many people who are like, Oh, like, you know, I'm just, I am just this way, or I'm just hot headed, or I'm just like an emotionally reactive person. And, you know, here you're talking about this simple strategy to just, you know, practice that so that, you know, you can expand your influence and, and obviously have a much more, you know, sort of harmonious, uh, you know, connection with other people okay. and, you know, for all the entrepreneurs who are listening to this show, um, you know, serve your customers better and, and, you know, be able to generate more sales and things like that. Well, think about from the, the viewpoint of an entrepreneur and you make a great point. There are certain objections that you get all the time, right? Now, aside from handling the objections correctly in terms of having done the discovery so that you know what this person needs, wants, desires, you can cover that and probably uh, cut out some of those objections from ever happening. There are always going to be objections. So aside from understanding how to get to the root of the objection, which we need to be able to do, you also need to be able to to not be reactive and defensive about this objection. Uh, in fact, what I used to do when I first got into sales and I was, you know, he kind of hit with the same objections all the time. I would actually practice just like I'm talking about with this. In fact, I just realized that I used to do that. I hadn't thought about that before, but I would actually practice. I'd, I'd hear the objections and I would practice just first, just being very calm and relaxed and fine with it and, and so forth. And uh, because you've got to make the customer feel okay and, and welcome to ask these questions because if they're concerns, they're concerns. Uh, so, so absolutely that, that very same thing. Awesome. So, all right. So I didn't, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt your flow there, but I definitely wanted to like drill into that. So, so we got, um, master, master your emotions was, was step one. What's, uh, what's, what's next? Well, this is, uh, step into the other person's shoes, which, you know, sounds easy and it sounds trite because it's a saying we've heard, you know, so often, but then you think about it, right? Uh, it's pretty difficult to do that at times because most of us have different size feet. So we can't just step into the other person's shoes. In other words, we come from different belief systems, different ways of seeing the world. Most conflict is based on one or, or two or more people seeing the same thing from different viewpoints but not realizing it because as human beings, we tend to believe that other people see the world basically the same way we do, but they don't. So what we've got to do in order to step into another person's shoes is to ask questions and listen 
Okay. Ask questions and listen. Listen, not just with our ears. That's surface listening. That's the listening most people do in order to respond, in order to be able to overcome, in order to, right? Uh, but what one of the mentors in the story, because in this in this story, there were two mentors and two protégés. One of the mentors uh, advised Jillian, uh, his protege, listen, not just with your, your ears, listen with your eyes, listen with your posture, listen, he said, with the back of your neck. In other words, with your entire being, put your entire being into listening to this person to understand. Uh, go back to your friend, Stephen Covey and his, his fantastic, his classic, uh, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Remember when he said, listen first, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Well, this is how we understand. The neat thing about it is that when we ask these questions and we listen this way, not only do we gather more information, which again, equips us more, but it also helps this other person to know that we're listening and they feel listened to. And they're much more likely to then be uh, receptive to our ideas. So, so Bob, I'm going to make a commitment here. I'm going to do my best to step into Dean's shoes and believe that his beautiful English is the proper way. Um, well, here, so here's the thing. You don't have to believe that. Okay, good. You just have to understand why he believes it. <laughs> he's fighting it. Deep down, he knows it's true. He's having to overcome that deep emotion inside himself, but he's, he's struggling with it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> But he's loving me through it, Bob, which is which is really all I can ask for. Right. <laughs> yes. So okay, I, so, I sense a lot of love in this uh, transcontinental uh, uh, friendship. Slightly misplaced. Well, don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't, it's okay. We put on a good show. So first step is mastering your emotions. The second one is to step in, step into the other person's shoes. What what's the next step in this in this framework? Well, this is to set the proper frame because the frame is so important that when you've set it properly or, or reset a, a, um, a negative frame, uh, you're 80% of the way there to the results you want. A frame is the foundation from which everything else evolves. Um, let's say you have a customer, a prospect, and you're about to do a presentation, and this prospect is coming across as defensive and sort of really questioning you and your motives and so forth. Now, if you buy into that frame, you're going to have an adversarial type of situation and it's not going to be good. Okay. Uh, so what you need to do is let's reset that frame. And maybe we say some, her name is Mary in this case. And we say, you know, Mary, uh, whether, um, while we've been able to help a lot of people with this product, uh, whether or not it's the right answer for you, we simply can't know without uh, exploring deeper and determining whether it meets your needs. So please know our conversation is for both of us to discover that. And if it does, great. If not, that's okay too. So now we've moved this frame from one of adversaries to one of two allies that are simply focused on her needs. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then just, I want to like, make sure everyone has this complete framework, like, sure. cause it like comes through in the show notes. And I think people listening to this will really get a lot out of it. So what's, so just moving along to the, the last two steps. Yeah. Well, number four is communicate with tact and empathy. And again, I'm going to go back to my dad. If I can, he has always defined tact as the language of strength. 
And to me, I've always loved that because to me, it takes a strong person to speak tactfully to others, a strong person to first control their own emotions, to first step into that other person's shoes, to to have an interest in determining the other person and what they need. Tact is a way of communicating to someone what might be ordinarily an uncomfortable or difficult idea for them to accept, but we're talking about the real world. And sometimes we need to be able to 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 correct or or we need to be able to critique or constructively criticize or what have you. I mean, it's just the way the world is. Tact allows us to do this in such a way that not only is the person not defensive toward us and resistant to our ideas, but they're open to us and more receptive to our ideas. Um, a lot of people, I think these days, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, they think almost if you speak to people respectfully, that it's, it's weakness, that you're, that it means you have to accept their idea. That's not true at all. We tact, tact should never be confused with compromise. We can always speak to people tactfully and respectfully without compromising our values. And the person who does that is the stronger person, and they're going to be the more influential person. Do you think there's any any like correlation between being influential and also at the same time being so curious enough about the other person's viewpoint that you are able to be influenced as well? Oh, sure. Sure. And that is where the next one, the last one we talked about, let go of having to be right, because there are times we are going to find out that we weren't as right as we thought we were. And I'll tell you, there's nothing that others respect more than a person being able to admit they were wrong. This is a person of high character. OK, when, when there's someone who just cannot admit to being right, might be your boss. Right. Uh, and they just cannot admit to, to. But what about when they can be? What about when they can admit? to being wrong, to having made a mistake? What about a parent who, instead of just saying, this is how it is because I'm the parent and I'm right because I'm the parent, they say, I made a mistake. I, I apologize. Okay. We respect people who do that. And the fact is we're not always going to be right. We're human beings. Uh, so to the degree that, again, we let go of having to be right, we go into learner's mode. And that's the degree, paradoxically enough, that we tend to be right more often. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so, so, so I know that, you know, you guys have sold, uh, you know, millions of copies of, of your books. What, what, like, have you heard, I mean, I'm sure you have, but what amazing, uh, sort of case study or example have you heard about, you know, going through this framework and really thinking about influence in this way from, you know, from business owners or entrepreneurs or something like that, where it really just shifted something for them? Oh, you, you, you just see it all the time. You know, one of my favorite books is um, Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last. Yeah. Where he he um, showcased a, a number of businesses that, that really do this quite a bit. And one of my favorites, and I actually read this book before I read Simon's, was a book um, by Bob uh, Chapman called Everybody Matters. And he's the, he's the uh, chair and CEO of Barry Waymiller Company, which is a major, majorly huge manufacturing firm based out of St. Louis. And the, the respect that he shows his tens of thousands of employees and the the culture that this company has is just absolutely immense and amazing. And I'll tell you what, you know, probably just just about everyone uses the example of um of Southwest Airlines here in the United States. Great reason 
they've done it consistently and it works. And uh, so you see it all the time. So I don't think there's any one or two case studies that are needed to prove it. You see it all the time in companies that are sustainable, sustainably profitable. You see this in families where, where you know, this is how the parents are. You see this in friendships. Uh, you see this in every walk of life that where people do things according to these principles, they tend to be much more successful uh, than those who don't. Not that there aren't exceptions, but but by and large. So I think um, so. I think the framework was was awesome. Um, the concept is you know incredibly simple, but also like infinitely powerful. But I think one of the coolest things that I'm taking away from this um, from this conversation right now is something you said about uh, you know when we drilled into mastering your emotions about practicing and um, and it's and this this whole framework is something that you can practice. Right. This is yep. something that you can you can use and you can try it out and you can just keep getting better at it because that, you know, if you want those results of being, you know, influential and being able to, you know, move people in a positive direction and that just practice those this, you know, simple five step framework. And there you go. Just keep practicing that. It, exactly. And you said something earlier that was very profound because you, you called it deliberate practice. And there's a big difference between practice and deliberate practice. And so often, you know, Anders Ericsson, who, who came up with the uh, 10,000 hours of deliberate practice, he's been often not misquoted, but not, not fully quoted, where people have said, you know, 10,000 hours of practice in order to become an expert, where, uh, and, and whether the 10,000 is, is totally an accurate thing or not, I mean, it's a, but it's, it's basically true. And, but what he said was, it was 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. And, and there's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. A huge difference, right? You can, you know, sort of haphazardly practice or do right. that. <laughs> you don't really get anywhere and you get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Dean, what uh, what comments do you have before we uh, before we wrap no, this I thing was, up? Uh, I've been sitting back just almost hypnotically listening to you, Bob. I think uh, you have one of those oh, voices I think I could you. just listen to all day. You're a clear master of the craft and I love it. Well, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> do you know why? Uh, do you know why his voice is so hypnotic, Dean? It's because he's because he speaks proper English. Um, you know, it's interesting. People always told me I had a great face for radio. Uh, well, you should you should actually know, Bob, that I'm I'm looking for a, a replacement co-host for the podcast, and I'd I'd love for you to. Uh, I mean, I haven't told James yet, but I'd love for you to maybe consider that position. Well, every time I try something new, people keep telling me, don't quit your day job. So I'm not sure what they're saying, but I think they're saying I do like one thing well, and that's it. So it well, sounds like, uh, sounds like I may have dodged a bullet then. I wasn't, <laughs> my post just yet. yeah, we won't, we, we won't tell James you said that Dean. Right. Indeed. Yes. But, uh, he needs to be aware. You can't handle invention. the truth. <laughs> Well, Bob, um, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show today. I definitely want, uh, want to let people know that they can go to thegogiver.com to pick up a copy of your latest book and see what, you know, other, you know, content and materials you guys have. I assume that your books are in all the major booksellers like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and places like that as well. 
Yeah, they sure are. And at thegogiver.com, when they click on the um, graphic of the, the new book, the purple one, they can actually get two chapters to read first if they'd like and see where the uh, the story went. And I want to acknowledge my, my co-author, John David Mann, who is really the lead writer and storyteller. He's just a not only a great guy, but really a, a, a genius. And it's just an honor to get to work uh, with him. It's an honor in the, in the States, H-O-N-O-R, but in, in deference to Dean, we'll, call, we'll spell honor H-O-N-O. You are. Yes. Yeah. Right. I don't want to discriminate against our UK listeners who might no, have understood no, no. what you were saying there. So I appreciate <laughs> exactly, that. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thank you for being uh, culturally sensitive. Yes, wow. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. It would, be, it would be kind of odd if you came at it with a hard line after yeah. all the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a little incongruent, right? Yeah. Right. Dean, you're absolutely wrong. That would have been uh, really an interesting twist on the end of this show. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you guys um, absolutely go to thegogiver.com, download the, the uh, free chapters. Also, you can pick up a copy of The Go-Giver Influencer on Amazon, Barnes Noble, any other place that uh, books are sold. Um, it's a tremendously powerful framework for you know living your life, influencing your uh, the people that work with you, that work for you, your clients, your customers, and all these other things. I think above all, it probably just makes you genuinely a better human being. And that's, uh, that's one of the things I love about this philosophy because it really embodies true win-win. Thank you, uh, Bob. Just such a pleasure having you on the show. Um, you and uh, your your co author John David Mann have done such a fantastic job with this book. We uh, we really appreciate having you guys and shamelessly promoting uh, this book to our audience. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, Dean. Unless you've got any parting thoughts, I think we're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, no, it's been an amazing show. Thank you so much, Bob. It has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe and tell your friends about the show. We'd love to have you as listeners. And until next time, this is James P. Friel signing off. Just the tips with my, pod- my podcast co-host, Mr. Dean Holland. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.